0: Hey, it's Konzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more, and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast.
1: A production of John Konzano's Baldface Truth.
0: Love that interview with Kalen DeBoer. Love that interview. If you are a Pac-12 fan you want to get to know Washington's coach a little bit, you know, we got, it. we got a chance to pull on the head coach of the University of Washington on this show. Grab the podcast of that. Share it with your friends and family. I, I did not know that he'd never been on a horse. That's interesting. I did not know that essentially coaching Division II NIIA football is the same for him as long as you have the resources and you have the structure and the people involved. I think that, that could be applied for all of us. Um, You know, I did get the sense from him that, like a lot of people, like a lot of men in particular in his age group, um, that work-life balance, it's tough. You know, he wishes he could play catch more or have more time with his kids, but there's not time for it. Um, and, And his answer in particular, when I asked him about the Michael Penix Jr., you know, essentially what makes that kid good? Because we don't get to see the meetings. We don't get to see him in practice. We see him in games. We see the athleticism. We see an elite quarterback who's who's probably going to project as a pretty good pro. I love that interview. It's 18 minutes of gold in my mind. I don't know. But if you didn't love it, maybe, you know, maybe you weren't listening. I don't know. Uh, Henry Barrera is our next guest. He is the strength of conditioning strength and conditioning coach at Alabama. He's got local connections. I have so many questions on this front. Uh do I call you coach? What do the players call you, Henry?
2: Oh, they just call me hen, man. They just call me hen.
0: Hen. All right. Yeah, Let's it. how did you get into strength and conditioning? Give me the background on that.
2: Yeah, man. So uh basketball's been a huge part of my life and uh I'm a small guard, man. I'm five seven at best. I had to find a way, find a way to compete, man. So bridging the gap for me is a human performance and basketball. So it's a it's a deep passion of mine. Is the only way that I had a chance to play college basketball is just to enhance my body. So that's kind of where it started.
0: Yeah, you, know, you were at Liberty University before going to Tuscaloosa, and give us an idea. You know, you're at Liberty, and you know Richie McKay was there, and he was the first person who hired you. Obviously, people in the state of Oregon. Uh, know Richie McKay. They know Liberty, and you know, give you know, is the background there with Richie McKay? It, was it a comfort level? Did you know him from before at, from Nike, or you know, where do you get to know him? Yeah,
2: man, great story. So I coached at Lane and I'm, I was working out Peyton Pritchard, and it just so happened that we had a uh, high level coaches in the gym that day: Richie McKay, Mark Hugh, Jay Wright. Um, And we ended up working out three times. So Peyton hit me up in the morning. We worked at 6.30 a.m. We worked out on the track at noon, and then we worked out at 9 p.m. And Richie was the only coach to come to all three sessions. So he he watched the workouts. After the workout, he's like, I think you can do this at a high level. Uh, Right now I'm an associate head coach at Virginia. When I get a head coaching job, I'm calling you. And uh, true to his word, he did that. And, uh, you know, long story short, I ended up at Liberty.
0: You know, it's interesting to me, the whole strength and conditioning world, because it's become a bigger part of what the colleges are doing. You've been there while it's growing. And, you know, go back to when you were in community college at Yakima Valley Community College. You're there. You're there for two years. You go to Multnomah University where you're uh, you're an All-American there. But the strength and conditioning that you are doing in Alabama and that is happening around the country with basketball programs. How much has that evolved in your time in the business?
2: Man, it's evolved immensely, man. The last ten years, just in terms of like sports science and technology and the things that we can track on a day-to-day basis, it's it's night and day. Uh, you know, I think at the bare bones, it's, it's still you got to get you got to put the work in. You know, so it doesn't matter the tech you have or anything like that. You got to put the work in. So uh, it's been really cool to watch it evolve and to watch it be recognized, man. I think uh, strength and conditioning coaches spend a lot of time with athletes with student athletes so I know I know the hours that I'm putting in with these guys and, and the relationships we build so I'm glad to see it kind of get it get its due a little bit
0: yeah and I think you know and when you get to a place like Alabama you got to be looking around not you're not at Yakima Valley Community College anymore are you when you when you're in Tuscaloosa
2: <laughs> oh man it's uh, it's crazy you know the level of athletes and even from Liberty man I think Liberty's a really special place uh, elite people but the level of athletes that or at Alabama is, uh it's like no other, man. It's its everything that you think and more.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I want to talk about Brandon Miller. I want to talk about, you know, the other players. And, you know, I'm you know, I like everybody else, I know what was reported about the kid nationally, but you have a different relationship with him as a strength and conditioning or a performance coach. And give us an idea of what Brandon Miller is like, what he's about in the weight room, that work ethic, and, you know, what kind of person is this?
2: Man, from day one he he's been uh super respectful. He's been one of my favorite guys to work with. He's just an outstanding human being. You know, I think when you spend so much time with athletes, you get to know them, you know, he's been over to my house, he's had dinner with my family. Um, I always tell him he could be in a movie, man. He's he's got this personality, this uh charisma, this this he's just gregorious man and how he how he interacts with people. Um, you know, anytime that I'm around him, I've seen him be super, super respectful and, and hospitable and just with his time uh, with, with young kids, with adults, with, with whoever. So I, I've been super impressed with him as just a person.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know you, you know, you you see football at Alabama becoming such a thing. What Where does basketball fit when you talk about, you know, the community there in Tuscaloosa and the university?
2: Oh, man, I think it fits really well. You know, I think, um, you know, everybody probably has a stereotype. It, it is a, it's a football school, but we, we don't say that, man. We call it a championship school. You know, we've had a lot of success in basketball and we're still building. Uh, Coach Saban has done an outstanding job just laying the format for the rest of us, you know? So it's a blessing to be around people that are so competitive and pursue excellence on a daily basis. So for us, it's a, it's a building block for basketball. I think Coach Oates has been a, done a phenomenal job just kind of bringing his own flavor and his own style to Tuscaloosa. And it's been fun just being a part of that.
0: The, the controversy with coach Oates this season and, you know, obviously a, uh, a controversial subject matter with Brandon Miller. What was it like to be, you know, behind the scenes while all that was playing out publicly?
2: Man, to be honest, it was really hard, John. It was really hard, man. It was, it was heavy. Um, you know, I think we did the best we could to, uh, to, to band together just as as, as a team, as family. Um, it's hard, man, when when student-athletes are away from home and, and stuff that, that is that intense going on in their lives. Um, so the only way I can describe it is heavy, man. I mean, I, I, I try to shut off my social media a little bit and, um, you know, try to stay away from people who don't know the actual situation and just, just be with our guys and, and speak life to them.
0: Brandon Miller um, gained 13 pounds under your care and again we're talking to henry barrera who is the strength and conditioning coach of the alabama men's basketball program brandon miller 13 pounds how does he gain 13 pounds of muscle
2: man i, I think uh the, the, i got to give credit to uh, amanda branson she's our, our sports dietitian sports nutritionist uh she does a phenomenal job just having food in front of these guys 24 7. so as often as we can uh there's there's resources from a nutrition standpoint. And then my job is just to make sure that we're, we're we're getting consistency in the weight room. We're getting good workouts uh, and we're just putting in time. So I think when college athletes are in the right environment, that, that stuff's going to happen just, I don't want to say automatically, but it's going to happen naturally.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, you talk about naturally, but for the rest of us listening to this, you know, who don't spend three hours in the gym, I don't know how long these guys are working out for, but help the, help the rest of us out. like, how frequency of workout with weights, cardio, average listener listening now, Henry, what, you know, what do you recommend for normal folks? Cause I'm going to guess your neighbors and friends are always texting you, calling you going, Hey, uh, I need to liven up my workouts or what should I be doing?
2: Look, man, I tell people just to be active every single day. You know, if you, I'm 46 years old. I'm, I'm what I call an old head. Um, you know, you got to get, two to three lifts in a week, you know, try to lift something heavy, try to lift something fast, try to get a couple sprints in, um, you know, don't to- go too crazy. But uh, yeah, man, I-, I think when you, for-, for the regular average Joe, they don't understand like these athletes are putting in 20 to 30, maybe 40 hours a week, you know, on the court, you know, we have a, a, our, our allotment of 20 hours, but man, I could go to the gym right now and I guarantee I'll find one or two guys working out on their own, you know, on, on the court or even in the weight room.
0: Yeah, and I think too, um, you know, sometimes the best workouts are the ones where you're actually doing something that is functional to your sport. Yeah, you know, Peyton Pritchard, he's running the hills of Westland. He's dribbling the uh, the weighted basketball. Do you recommend dribbling with a weighted basketball?
2: Uh, yeah, man, for 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 bits for bits of it, you know, for parts of training. Uh, Payton Peyton's always been on another level, man. When I met him as a sixth grader. He could look you deadpan in the face and just say, hey, I'm going to be a pro, and you believed them as a grown adult. So uh, I think different people have a different capacity for work. But, man, I, I'm a big believer in the weighted ball. I think it, you know, sharpens your handle. Uh, so it's just a piece of the puzzle.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, too, when uh, uh, we hear the stories about Peyton Pritchard's work ethic, give me an idea, like, how unusual – is it for a guy to have that work ethic and what do you know about it like i've heard the stories of him in the gym every day at six o'clock in the morning then he goes strength and conditioning then it's nutrition then it's his normal practice that everybody else joins in but you know you probably see a variety of work ethics among players that you've worked with over the years
2: yeah man you know uh, a quote comes to mind man It's, it's hard to be great at something that you don't love you know so i think there's there's levels to this you know capacity for work and I've seen maybe a handful, five or six guys who, who have this hunger, this drive that just outlasts everybody else. It's, uh more intense, but it's intense in an authentic uh, authentic way, you know, so it doesn't compromise who they are. It doesn't take over their, their lives, uh, their personalities. It's, it's just part of who they are. Uh, it sounds kind of funny, but that's that's what I saw in, in Peyton. I, I see that in Brandon Miller. You know, he's the type of kid where if, if he got, you know, quote, bullied, where, you know, just man, manhandle a little bit after the game. It's him and I in the weight room because he wants to get extra working. You know, so players like that are special because they they kind of see the big picture. They know what it takes, and, and they they're, they're willing to do that work every day.
0: Yeah, strength and conditioning. It's amazing. You know, when you look at just the advancements, even you know in in 30 years, they you know in some sports like basketball, it wasn't that long ago, Henry, where they told players, "Hey, you're gonna mess your shot up if you pick up a weight." And now you know everybody picks up a weight. Like I, you know, it's it's just phenomenal. Did you, is this what you always wanted to do, or did you just want to stay around coaching and basketball, and this was a way to do it?
2: Man, I, I didn't have any plans to do this. You know, I have a background in art, uh, but man, for me, the relational aspect. You know, I I got to coach your guy Stephen Vaughn, and I, yeah. I feel like I made a little bit of impact in him as an athlete. Um, and so for me, man, just to, to to help people get where they want to go, you know. I think when players come in, like your your dream becomes my dream. You know, we win together, and that's, uh, that 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 is something I take a lot of pride in, man. It's it's so fulfilling to to help someone get to the where they want to go, and just to play a small part in that is uh, is just a blessing.
0: Look, uh, Henry Barrera is our guest, strength and conditioning coach, men's basketball program, Alabama. Um, you live in Tuscaloosa. Your wife is Melody. Your kids are Maya, Marquez, uh is it Malia and Mariah. Malia, yep. yeah. Yeah. All standard. M's. All M's. Yeah. You and the M's. What's going on with the M's? Hey, yeah, you know what? I'm the because you know,
2: my wife is an M too. So yeah, we, we started with one and uh it was just kinda funny at the time. Then we had two and then uh the third one was a little bit of a surprise and then my wife's like, you know what? Let's just go all M's and her family happens <laughs> to be all M's as well. So
0: kind okay. of kinda, kinda funny. You're you're a smart man. Uh, all right, Henry, I appreciate you coming on. Before I got, let you go, any concern at all? If the Blazers are sitting there at three and Brandon Miller's on the board, is there any concern at all that, you know, you know the history of the Trailblazers organization, you know how fans are here and, you know, what this organization's been through? Is there any concern about his character in your mind?
2: Absolutely no concern at all. You know, I, I actually uh, I'm a little biased. I believe he should be the number one pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. I know that people will call me crazy for that, but uh, I think what you're getting is a proven a proven player, man. He, he's he's a full package. He, he's a great human being, and he has a skill set. You know, to be a, a phenomenal player in the NBA.
0: What kind of player is Stephen Vaughn?
2: <laughs> hey, look, John. I'm gonna tell you a story real quick, man. Okay. All right. I had no I had no, idea, I had no <laughs> idea that Stephen Vaughn could dunk a basketball. And uh, we're actually playing at Multnomah, where I, where I played. And uh, he gets a breakaway, and my man throws one down. And, the, I mean, we go crazy because I'd never seen him dunk before. I, I, I didn't believe he could dunk. You know, I know he's been working. Maybe it was a strength and conditioning program or something. But uh, that was my my intro to Stephen Vaughn, man. Uh, I love that guy. He's a phenomenal person, and he was a hooper, man, Straight, straight bucket.
0: I love that. It, it was for could, sh- it was
3: for sure strike a good right there, Henry. I, I you, didn't bro. know
0: you could dunk either, Stephen. That's <laughs> the news on this show. I, I really didn't
3: know I could at that moment either. I just went <laughs> up and did it, you
2: know.
0: There you go. That's
2: what it looked like, man, but it was uh, it was a beautiful moment. Man.
0: Yeah. All right, Henry, I appreciate you. appreciate your time. Good stuff there. Uh from Alabama uh checking in there with some uh, good intel there. I think it was really <laughs> that's an interesting interview. And such an such a interesting journey to go from Yakima Valley Community College as a player to Multnomah University. Then, you know, he played a year of professional basketball in Sweden and then ended up in, in, in the state of Oregon uh, as a training specialist at Nike. And then um, he goes on to work with Westland High School and then he goes to Liberty with Richie McKay and – then uh, he gets to Tuscaloosa, and he's at Alabama now. And, you know, after he did some Olympic training with some Olympic athletes, he ends up at Alabama. And what a journey, man. You just never know where this stuff's going to take you. Um, really cool stuff. Now, now, Stephen, yesterday after the show, because we were talking about Brandon Miller, you immediately said, hey, you know, I know the strength and conditioning coach at Alabama. Um, you know, that whole world of strength and conditioning from an athlete's perspective I often will hear college athletes talk about the strength and conditioning coach as much as they talk about their position coach in football in particular.
3: Yeah. Like, so Henry was my coach at Concordia, the strength and conditioning. And that was the first time like I ever had one. So like, that's when it really started becoming popular, you know, 2008, 2009. Like that's when we really started to understand the, the science behind it. And Henry was awesome. Like he really did improve my quickness. Like I was never the fastest. I was never the strongest but, like just the stuff that he taught us how to do it, it really helped you out, and I noticed that, and I'm like, man this you know I wish I would have known about this stuff way earlier yeah. rather than just playing basketball, and I think just science and technology the the information age we found so much about it and, and you look at kids now like athletically, they're way more athletic than we were back in the day, so I think it's it's always evolving, and I think mm-hmm. when you find a good one like Henry is like he's just going to keep growing and keep going at it because that's just the way he is, like he's gonna try to be the best he can, and so you know Alabama's got a great one there. But I think it's so big in college sports because, you know, when you're that good of an athlete and you can even elevate it to be that elite athlete, man, it's a tough to stop.
0: I, I fascinated by kind of the journey. Very different kind of interview for this show, but I'll go with it and I'll roll with it. Uh, I, I just like learning about people and I like learning, especially their journey and their path because, it, you know, it's. I think we all have a little bit of Forrest Gump in our story. Like, you know, there were just, you know, different points. You know, and Forrest Gump's the best example of that when you look at sort of that movie and how he ends up where he ends up. It's uh, it's all fascinating stuff. All right, coming up, uh, Kurt Schultz, Washington State's president. He did an interview at an alumni event uh, shedding some light on the Pac-12's situation. I'll just leave it at that. Ray Anderson, the athletic director at Arizona State, also said some things that, were a little puzzling. They raised some eyebrows. We'll talk about the Pac-12 next on Monday's show during the five at five or right after the five at five. I mentioned that uh, we were going to give away a pair of Mariners tickets, a double pair of Mariners tickets, two pair of Mariners tickets, four tickets to two games. Is my being clear with that? Uh, as part of a giveaway that we're going to do throughout the Major League Baseball season. So if you were listening to Monday's 5 at 5, um, I was supposed to do this yesterday, but uh, it was new. I forgot, just being real. And uh, yesterday I was supposed to prompt you with a question, Uh, meaning, uh, you know, what did we say on Monday's 5 at 5, blah, 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 blah. And you could have gone back and listened to the podcast if you wanted to to answer the question. Well, I will be asking that question coming up. A little bit later, in about 10 minutes, as part of this segment. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you were listening Monday, you may have the answer. You may win the tickets. Uh, In the meantime, I want to turn our attention to a couple of Pac-12 personalities who have been speaking lately. As we all know, the Pac-12 media rights situation has been dragging on and on and on. And the goalposts have been moved a couple of times, and people are frustrated. I'm sick of talking about it. You're sick of hearing about it. But it feels as though we are winding towards a resolution. Now, I wrote it at johnconzano.com. Uh today's Wednesday. I wrote it on, what was that, Tuesday? Man, time flies. That was yesterday? Uh, I wrote it yesterday. Uh, I talked about the timeline, and I thought it was going to be kind of a mid-June timeline as it pertained to, uh, an announcement on meteorites and expansion, and I use San Diego State as the example because San Diego State and the Mountain West Conference are in a little bit of a dance right now. San Diego State has to inform the Mountain West Conference that it wants to leave. If it wants to play in the 2024 college football season, it has until June 30th of this summer to announce that. Now, the, the exit fee is $16.5 million approximately. If San Diego State fails to give notice by June 30th and still wants to leave, it it will be uh, required to pay $33 million. That's a big difference. Well, it raised some eyebrows when Ray Anderson, the Arizona State Athletic Director, gave an interview to uh, the Sun Devils football podcast. uh, Yesterday, this uh, interview was posted, and I pulled some audio from it. I want you to hear it. First of all, This is the non-controversial part. This is the part where you as a listener of this show have been tuned into this stuff. Ray Anderson, the AD at Arizona State, was asked about Arizona State's commitment to the Pac-12. Here's what he said.
4: Have there been any discussions, you know, internally that, you know... If things you know, with the Pac-12's long-term viability don't necessarily shake out in, in a positive way, that you know, looking at whether uh, other prospective conference homes for Arizona State athletics,
1: we don't have that discussion internally because uh, we are a solid, uh, uh, important member of the Pac-12, uh, uh, Pac-10, Pac-12, uh, and very frankly, I've had no discussions. Uh, about other conferences Uh, the only discussions we might have is what other conferences uh, are trying to have some of their members come to our conference Uh, uh, obviously we talked about San Diego State SMU and some others, so that is uh, uh, clear in those comments but no we've had no internal discussions about ASU going anywhere else uh, because that's very frankly no desire
0: very frankly no desire He's making it clear there. I don't know about the, the Big 12 country footprint, and I don't know how they are going to perceive that, but it's evident in listening to Ray Anderson that Arizona State is committed to the Pac-12. Whether it has been uh, committed all along, uh, I'll leave that for speculation. But I've told you all along on this show, and if you're a listener to the show, I've told you that the 10 remaining members to a campus are committed. That's what they're telling me, that's what they're telling each other, and that's what their actions are reflecting. Now, there have been some other parties out there that may have a dog in the fight, may have some extra motivation that I think have been focused on trying to destabilize the conversation. And some of those parties are now working hard on the ACC front, so maybe the Pac-12 is getting a break. But again, I believe that the Pac-12 will announce a media rights deal, Sometime in middle June. I'm, I'm thinking 15, 20, 25. They have to if they're going to add San Diego State. It, because they can't get to June 30th without adding San Diego State if they're going to add San Diego State. It just doesn't make any sense. But yet Ray Anderson said this in the same interview. Listen carefully. Tell me if you think he's tipping the hand a little bit. Or maybe he's just speaking about something that he doesn't have complete knowledge of. Because he starts to kind of ramble in this uh, minute and a half or so in giving an answer here on media rights.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident on the long-term viability. The 10 schools uh, are solid. UCLA and USC will be moving on. Uh, but I do believe uh, the 10 schools remaining uh, are very solid, and there's a commitment to do that. Uh, it will be, uh, I think, uh, uh, summertime. Uh, when we have uh, a deal uh, to announce Uh, I don't know if that's July or August but uh, the latest uh, thinking is that by summer uh, we should have uh, uh, an MMR deal a multimedia rights deal with the PAC 12 to announce after that you then have to make sure that you have your grant of rights which essentially is the 10 remaining schools signing on to the deal essentially granting their media rights to the conference so no one is, is inclined to leave before the deal expires. And then once you get, have that, uh, then very frankly, I think the notion of uh, potentially looking at expansion uh, makes sense. Uh, you've heard, everybody in this room has heard that San Diego State and SMU are two of the institutions most commonly mentioned when you're talking about potentially expanding uh, the PAC-12. Uh, And there are a couple other schools that sometime you hear mentioned, you know, uh, pick your pick your choice. But uh, I think the thought of expansion uh, is real. Uh, I think the timing will uh, be after you have the multimedia rights deal done, you have your grant of rights uh, solidified. uh, And then I think you might have uh, some fairly quick movement on that. That's just my opinion.
0: Now, now he adds, that's just my opinion at the end of it, but he confused a lot of people in saying that it would be summer. And he says July and August in his comments. So a lot of people immediately went to, well, wait a minute, that doesn't work for San Diego state because if you're waiting till July and August, the deal doesn't get done and you've got a problem. You have San Diego state having to, you know, be in limbo. And so I kind of, I want to believe that Ray Anderson has been told, hey, it's coming down the pipeline, but he hasn't been told exactly when by his president. Keep in mind, the Pac-12 CEO group, the presidents and chancellors are the ones in the room. The ADs are in the next level and are often consulted with, but they're not in the room for those conversations. And so uh, it's kind of been, been swirling around my head, you know, and I've been thinking, well, does Ray not know? Does he not know... That summer starts, you know, June twenty-first or whenever it officially starts. Is he, you know, and somebody said summer, and in his mind, summer is July and August. I don't know. And, and so, I, for a day, I've been thinking: ah, Do I need to make a deal about this? Do I need to? Do I need to ask somebody about it? And I did reach out yesterday to a member of the Pac-12 CEO group, and that person said, "Hey, the ten, the ten schools are committed. Confident that the ten schools are committed. In fact." But then today, Washington State's president, Kurt Schultz, who is one of the members of the, of the uh, PAC 12 CEO group, he talked about media rights and about expansion in an interview with the school's alumni association that was posted to YouTube. Pulled cuts from that as well. Here's Kurt Schultz. Listen carefully. Yeah, we're continuing to have
4: really good dialogue and discussion with several media bidders and media partners. Sure. And there's multiple people that are really interested in the Pac-12. We occupy a really unique time slot that people want Pac-12 football. They want men's and women's basketball. So we've got lots of folks out there. And I know our fans are frustrated. They're like, Kirk, we've been hearing since January. It's imminent. It's going to happen. But uh I ask everybody to be patient because we have more bidders coming to the table, more people interested as the time goes on, and attend schools are as unified as I've ever seen them. So – we hope in the next few weeks to a month to be able to have a media rights deal to get the grant of rights signed by all 10 schools and then to work on expansion. So when it happens, folks, the dominoes are going to fall quickly. Uh, and I, I'm as eager as all of us are to get it done.
0: Eager as all of us are to get it done. He went on to talk about the expansion process. You
4: know, we, uh, if I go back a year or two, We actually had a set of schools that we looked at that would fit sort of the footprint of the Pac-12 conference. And uh, in the media, they reported certainly several schools that uh, we've expressed interest in, they've expressed interest in us, and we got to get that media rights deal signed first so we know what we can bring to the table with possible expansion candidates.
0: Yeah, look, they're talking now, and Schultz went on to say in the interview uh, that middle to late June, now that fits with San Diego State's timeline. I I uh, thought it was interesting, too, in the Ray Anderson clips that he mentions San Diego State and SMU. I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I think it is a little disrespectful to the Mountain West Conference for an AD to say San Diego State and SMU, even though we are all saying San Diego State and SMU. And And, and let me back up. I think it was disrespectful when Baylor's AD came out and said, "You know, hey, we want Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. We would love to have them in the Big Twelve Conference." And I think it's disrespectful when other conference commissioners have come forth and said, "You know, you know, we are uh, we're looking at teams in in the Pac twelve or whatnot." I think that I think that's all disrespectful. But I think Ray Anderson. He's a little different. He comes from the professional world. He comes from, you know, the world of the NFL. I think his background is different. And I think he was speaking out of school a little bit on that front. I I find it really interesting. And I geek out on this stuff. Like, you know, I feel like I'm the guy who's, you know, one time I was on a remote broadcast, and, and I love our listeners. But there was a listener who was a diehard Winterhawks fan. Diehard Winterhawks fan goes on every road trip with the Winterhawks, rides the team bus, goes to every road game, shows up on every road game, whatnot. And he showed up to the remote broadcast, and he had binders and binders and binders and scrapbooks of all of his travels with the Winterhawks. And I thought to myself, gosh, I hope, like, you know, no disrespect. Like, if that's your thing, that's cool. But I was like, man, I hope if I started to sound like that and focus on something like that, then my wife or my friends would shake me and just be like, hey, come on now. Yep, you know, come on. Perspective, healthy balance. Um, So I get into this Pac-12 stuff in a way that I feel like I'm the guy with the Winterhawks binders, and I'm flipping through going, hey, here was our trip to Kamloops, you know. And so and so, uh, stop me if I'm in that position. But here we are, you know, on May 17th, and I I'm – I'm increasingly confident that the naysayers, the gloom and doom crowd out there that is largely uh, made fun of the PAC 12 and rooted for its demise are pivoting their attention to the ACC and maybe in a way that's equally unfair to the ACC, but i I feel like we're getting a lot of reinforcement and affirmation for stuff that has been reported on this show. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like we've been mostly right about where this is all headed. I think early on I expected a deal to be done sooner. I remember thinking it was going to be done by Thanksgiving and then Christmas and and then maybe they'll get it done early in 2023 and then here we are in May. And then, you know, but I think largely those comments or that that kind of speculation for me at least was based on uh, what I was hearing from the presidents as Arizona's president and Colorado's president and Washington state's president and Oregon state's president came on this show. And and the presidents all seemed to be pointing in that direction that, you know, and then they backed off at the conference. And I, I was told that by the Pac-12 spokesperson. They said, look, we, we realize largely this is our fault. But they had to reframe the conversation about media rights. I am dying to get back to talking just about the football and geeking out on, like, who's the best quarterback in the Pac-12. I I would still, by the way, say that it's Caleb Williams today, but Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, there's some other players in this conversation. Um, I would rather get back to having that kind of conversation, and I have really, um, you know, I love covering the Pac-12. I love talking about the Blazers. I love talking about the Ducks, Beavers a uh, little bit of Timbers, some Winterhawks. I'm not getting on the bus with my binder, but, you know, I just feel like the sports world has become increasingly more about the transfer portal and name-image likeness, and I th- I'm i like you. I, I'm turned off by a lot of this.
3: Let me ask you a question real quick, John, about the whole realignment thing here. Are you more... Because you said you didn't like that they brought up the fact that San Diego State and SMU, they named them by name. Is that because... You don't like that because, like... The Pac-12. This whole operation has been close to the chest. There hasn't been a lot of leaked information because, for me, like I like to hear the fact that the yeah. Pac-12 is out there and we know, we already know the answer. We already know it's San Diego State and SMU. But now they're out there acknowledging it, like they're out in public and they're saying, "Yeah, this is what we're doing." I like it. You seem to not like it. Is it just because like they haven't expressed this information before? Like I just don't understand like what the negative would be to saying San Diego State and SMU publicly.
0: Yeah, I think it's one thing. For us to know that San Diego State and SMU are two of the four schools that they uh, that they explored, and you know we've reported that others have reported that you know, and I'm confident that you know those two were were part of it, as was Colorado State, and the fourth I I I have a guess at it, but I don't want I don't like to guess. I think the fourth was Gonzaga, and but I don't have that I don't have that confirmed from somebody. And I think it's one thing for all of us to have. A conversation about it. I think it's quite another thing for a sitting athletic director in the Pac-12 to talk about a team in another conference. And hey, we're we're uh, you know the the way that Ray Anderson did. It was just he was very casual in talking about it, and maybe because it's out there and everybody knows it's out there. But it bothered me when Baylor's AD. Kind of spoke about the Pac-12 teams like that, like which teams he would want. I was like, that's kind of poor form. Like it for, as a professional courtesy, it didn't feel very professional to me for the Baylor AD to be talking about you know which Pac-12 schools that they would want, and and it and it riled up, I think unnecessarily so, riled people up. And so what I would fear with Ray Anderson talking about it is, what if the Pac-12 doesn't take SMU? What if what you know? What if they decide they don't want to take anybody? And, you know, he's out there talking about it. But I I agree with you to some extent, Stephen, that the Pac-12 has done a really bad job with their media strategy. The fact that they went silent wasn't good. But I also am like, well, wait a minute. Is it poor form for, you know, like in the NBA, for the Blazers general manager to go, you know, I wouldn't mind having – uh you know, Nikola Jokic on our team and, and you know, you'd get fined for that and people would say that's unprofessional, it's tampering or whatnot, whatnot. So I just I the you know the idea like that I have I have sources within the Pac twelve footprint who work on these campuses, who are in those meetings, who have told me, hey, San Diego State, SMU, Colorado State, they would not give me the fourth school. And I don't know why. Why do you think the fourth school is such a mystery? Like, what would be the reason to keep that fourth school quiet? Like, they didn't want that out there. They, You know, they would tell me SMU, San Diego State. They told me UNLV was not a candidate. They told me Fresno State and Boise State were not candidates. But why would that fourth school be held so close to the vest, so to speak? I, I've wrestled with it. I think it has to do with some kind of courtesy that the Pac-12 sources i'm talking with are extending to that school because they have respect for it and it makes me think it's gonzaga and you know i could be wrong but it makes me think that because gonzaga is the only school that i think fits that criteria of you know they respect it it's a private school it's in the pacific northwest it's you know it's in the pac-12 footprint and they don't want to cause any waves there but i think ray anderson is if they don't take SMU, he's causing some waves unnecessarily. I guess I'm just seeing it as not that professional. Do you, do you think it could be any other
3: school from a com- that's already in a conference right now? It could be. And it that, could be that's that's that, why. too. Okay.
0: It could be that. Like, think on that on the break. We uh, interrupt this <laughs> podcast with a special announcement from the Baltic. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but...